0: At this point, we'll go ahead and dismiss our Kids to Kids Church. <clears throat> this week, we will be looking at 1 Samuel chapter 28, and if you read ahead, uh, you will realize that this is one of the strangest passages in all of the scripture. Uh, this is, uh, you know, if 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 you're just reading the the subtitles, it looks like something out of uh, Lord of the Rings or Star Wars. You know, Saul uh, goes to the witch at Endor, and you're like, okay, (laughs) you know, am I reading the Bible? Am I reading some fantasy book uh, that was written by J.R. Tolkien? Uh, You know, what's going on here? Uh, We're going to be looking at a very odd passage in Scripture, but I believe there's some some great and some deep theological truths here. Uh, So... We're going to read all of chapter 28. Uh, It's a lengthy passage, but we're going to go ahead and read it all this morning. 1 Samuel chapter 28, we're going to begin in verse 1. Now it came about in those days that the Philistines gathered their armed camps for war to fight against Israel. And Achish said to David, know assuredly that you will go out with me in the camp, you and your men. David said to Achish, very well, you shall know what your servant can do. And so Achish said to David, very well, I will make you my bodyguard for my life. Now Samuel was dead, and all of Israel had lamented him and buried him in Ramah, his own city. And Saul had removed from the land those who were mediums and spiritists. So the Philistines gathered together, came and camped in in Shunam, and Saul gathered all of Israel together, and they camped in Gilboa. And when Saul saw the camp of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart was trembled greatly. When Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, either by dreams, or by Urim, or by prophets. Then Saul said to the servant, Seek for me a woman who is a medium, that I may go and inquire of her. And his servant said to her, Behold, there is a woman who is a medium at Endor. And Saul disguised himself, putting on other clothes, and went, and he and two men with him. And they came by the woman by night. And he said, Conjure up for me, please, and bring up for me whom I shall name to you. But the woman said to him, Behold, you know what Saul has done, and how he has cut off those who are mediums and spiritists from the land. Why are you then laying a snare for my life to bring about my death? And Saul vowed to her by the Lord saying, As the Lord lives, there shall be no punishment come upon you for this thing. Then the woman said, Whom shall I bring up for you? And he said, Bring up Samuel for me. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice, and the woman spoke to Saul, saying, Why have you deceived me? For you are Saul. And the king said to her, Do not be afraid. But what do you see? And the woman said to Saul, I see a divine being coming out of the earth. And he said to her, what is his form? And she said, an old man is coming up and he is wrapped in a robe. And Saul knew that it was Samuel. And he bowed with his face to the ground and did homage. Samuel said to Saul, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? And Saul answered, I am greatly distressed for the Philistines are waging war against me and God has departed from me. And he answers me no more, either through prophets or by dreams. Therefore, I have called you that you may make known to me what I should do. And Samuel said, Why then do you ask me, since the Lord has departed from you and has become your adversary? And the Lord has done accordingly as he spoke through me, for the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor, to David. And as you did not obey the Lord and did not execute his fierce wrath on, on Amalek, so the Lord has done this thing to you this day. Moreover, the Lord will also give over Israel along with you into the hands of the Philistines. Therefore, tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. Indeed, the Lord will give over the army of Israel into the hands of the Philistines. Then Saul immediately fell full length on the ground and was very afraid because of the words of Samuel. Also, there was no strength in him, for he had not eaten food all day and all night. And the woman came to Saul and saw that he was terrified and said to him, Behold, your maidservant, has obeyed you and I have taken my life in my hands and you have and I have listened to your words which you have spoke to me. So now please listen to the voice of your maidservant and let me set a piece of bread before you that you may eat and have strength when you go upon your way. But he refused, said, I will not eat. However, his servants together with the woman urged him and he listened to them. He arose from the ground, sat on the bed. The woman had a fatted calf in the house and she quickly slaughtered it and she took flour and kneaded it and baked unleavened bread from it and she brought it before Saul. He and his servants ate. They rose and went out by night. Let's pray. God, as we see this passage, may we see your word. May we see your word spoken to our hearts. May we see ourselves both in Saul and in David. And may we cry out for your presence. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Well, I pray that whenever you leave this place that you will seek God's face, not simply God's favor. I want us to notice the state of Saul. Saul was in a bad place. Saul was in a place where he was desperate. He was standing there realizing the truth of the prophets was coming to pass. That that Israel is being, his kingdom is being ripped from his hands. He is standing there, he is on the brink of war. He sees the armies of the Philistines and he looks at his armies and he sees that, that, that he is outnumbered, that there are more chariots, there are more troops, that, that he sees his doom is imminent. He also notices that, that he is alone, that Samuel is dead. Now Samuel has died a couple of chapters ago, but the author reminds us that the prophet of God is dead that there is no longer anyone speaking the word of God to Samuel. And this has happened, I'm sorry, the word of God to Saul, and this has happened a long time ago, that Saul has been cut off from the word of God, that Saul is utterly alone. Not only is Saul alone, but Saul has killed and ostracized anyone and everyone who was close to him. Do you remember back at Nob? Saul slaughtered, all of the priests of God because they wouldn't do what he wanted them to do? And so, Saul makes this statement in chapter 28. I want you to hear what Saul says in chapter 28. He he articulates his desperation. Look at what he says uh, in verse 6. When Saul inquired of the Lord, Saul asked of God, he says, the Lord did not answer him by dreams, by Urim, or by prophets. So what does this mean? This, this, this says, Saul is saying, God gave me no personal revelation. As a king of Israel, the king of Israel was afforded something in the Old Testament that, that, that not all men experienced. They experienced divine revelation from the Spirit of God. The king of Israel, the Spirit of God in the Old Testament was different than the Spirit of God in the New Testament in that... In the New Testament, with Pentecost and with the, the coming of the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, when I leave, I will give you, my Father will send the Holy Spirit who will, who will guide you and, and, and indwell you and you will, he will speak to you through. We will have the indwelling presence, the abiding presence of the Holy God living within us. All of us who, who know Christ and who have surrendered our lives to him, we are promised the abiding presence of the, God in, of the Godhead in the person of the Holy Spirit. In the New Testament, all believers have the Holy Spirit within us. In the Old Testament, it was not so. In the Old Testament, there were a select few people who experienced the abiding presence of God. And then, only then, not even all the time. Prophets, priests, and kings, they would, they would have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit as they needed And the king would have expected to be able to call upon the Lord and be able to to hear from the Lord through the Holy Spirit. Saul is lamenting, He he is complaining that I have no personal revelation from God anymore. There is no longer any communion that I personally experience with God. Not only is there no personal experience with God, I can't communicate with God through the priests. One, because I killed them all. He kind of shot himself in, his foot, in the foot right there. And then he says, not only do I have no communion with God through the priests, through God's ordained method of communion, but I don't even hear from God's prophet. I don't even hear from God's word anymore. He is in complete and utter desperation. And I want us to notice Saul's response in his desperation. In Saul's desperation, what does he do? He runs to the enemy of God. Now, the law commands that, that all of the, the spiritists, all of the Medians, all of the witches, all of the, the pagan spiritualists, the sorcerers, the fortune tellers be cast out. Of the land, now I want to point out to you that the scripture, and I want you to hear me well, the scripture does not say that that the pagan spiritualists and the sorcerers and the fortune tellers are futile. it says that they 're pagan. it doesn't say that they 're not pragmatic, that they won 't work. it simply says they're wicked they're evil and they're pagan in this western world that we live in we like to like to rationalize everything and i believe that we in our attempt to rationalize things we fail to realize that there's a spiritual world out there to which we are unaware to which we are sometimes blinded in our own arrogance and in our own pride with our own technology and with our own intellectual understanding that, that, that certainly there is not the spirit world out there that, that, that we can communicate with. But the scripture teaches us and tells us that there is a spiritual realm, that, there's a, that there is a spiritual world that exists and that we can communicate with them. But doing so outside of scripture and outside of the truth of God and outside of the spirit of God is wicked and evil. And so God's law commands the people of Israel to, to not do these things. Not because they won't work. Not because we won't be able to communicate with the spiritual realm, but because they're wicked and they're evil and they're not God-honoring. So Saul, in his orthodoxy, drives all of them out of the land. Well, almost all of them. And in his desperation, he goes to his his cabinet and he says, hey, you remember when I told you to, to get rid of all the spiritualists? Well, well... Do you know where I can find one? <laughs> Remember when I told you, you know, to, to to drive them out, to kill them, to get rid of them? Well, is there anywhere I can I can you know can can get a hold of one? Because I need some advice. And God's not answering me. And so what he does, and and this is it's it's entertaining and ironic, if nothing less. Saul puts on a disguise, he takes off his royal clothes, he puts on a disguise, and he sneaks through the Philistine camp. Now, he's staring at the Philistine camp, scared to death because in in a day or so, they're going to come and attack the the, the Israelite army and, and, and destroy them and wipe them off the face of the planet. And so Saul dresses up in a disguise and sneaks through the Philistine camp as if that wasn't dangerous enough. And he goes and meets this, this sorcerer, this fortune teller, this witch, and and he convinces her, he convinces her to, to conjure up Samuel. Now, as soon as he shows up, he says, Hey, I need you to uh, to, to conjure up a spirit for me. And, and she's like, I'm no fool. This is you, you you're setting me up. You know, prove to me you're not a cop. Prove to me you're not the king. Prove to me you're not the authority. And Saul, this is is ironic if nothing else. Saul swears by Yahweh and the life of Yahweh to seek help from something that Yahweh has condemned. Do you see that? He goes to the woman and she says, how do I know that you're not setting me up how do I know that this isn't a sting how do I know that this is not not just some other ploy that the king has has orchestrated to drive out people like me and listen to what Saul says Saul says in in verse let me find it verse 9 But the woman said to him, Behold, you know what Saul has done, how he's cut off those mediums and those spiritists in the land. Why are you then laying a snare for my life? And verse 10, And Saul vowed to her by the Lord, saying, As the Lord lives, I will not punish me. I will not punish you. There will be no punishment that will come upon you. Saul vows to the Lord by the Lord's life and says, Conjure up this thing. Do this thing that the Lord has condemned. That's just ironic. And so he swears by Yahweh and he runs to that which Yahweh has condemned. I want to at this point, I want to at this point contrast Saul's predicament with David's predicament because there's there's a great deal of similarities. In chapter 28, Saul is utterly, completely desperate. He is suffering the consequences of his own sin. We remember back in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 26, that after Saul's disobedience, that after Saul's disobedience, that God communicated to him. He said, he said, there is going to, that God is going to cut you off, that you will no longer, you will be rejected by God. You will no longer hear from God, that you will be rejected by God, that you will be ostracized, that there will no longer be any communication from God to you. You are going to be cut off from the word of God. Saul was in a place of desperation. He was on the brink of war. He was seeing the, the nation of Israel, the kingdom of Israel, being, being stripped from his hand. He knew that he was coming to the end of his life. He knew that Samuel was dead. He was alone. He was forsaken by God. David was in a very similar predicament. David had left Israel. He was hiding from Saul in Philistine. He was becoming an enemy of the state. He was living in Philistine, killing and slaughtering Philistines, and then he had just been conscripted by a Philistine general to go into battle against the nation of Israel. Chapter 27 is a godless chapter. Chapter 27, God is nowhere mentioned in chapter 27. What do we see? We see David suffering at the hands of his own stupidity. David and Saul are both in a place of desperation. Their reactions are much different. Saul runs to the enemy of God. David falls face down before his God. And so, this is the question I have for us today. Do we understand the God that we serve Wants us in our desperation to run to Him. I want to read to you the lyrics of a hymn. It's called What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And I want you to listen to the words of this old hymn. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what a peace. We often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who with all our sorrows bear? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are you weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise, forsake thee? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In His arms He'll shield thee. We'll find solace there. What a friend we have in Jesus. The difference between David and Saul was not their predicament, but their response. David, in his desperation and in his predicament, runs to the Lord, throws himself at the feet of the cross, throws himself at the mercy seat of Jesus, runs and, and, and worships the God of grace. Saul looks for answers. He can't find answers He can't find solace. He can't find peace. He's desperate. And so he runs to the things of this world. He runs to the satisfaction that this world promises. I want us to notice Saul's question. Now, Saul convinces this woman to conjure up Samuel. He calls calls for Samuel. The woman, this witch... Does what she's does what she does, witches do what witches do. She contacts the spirit world and Samuel shows up. And when Samuel shows up, either by the appearance of Samuel or by the realization that the king is standing before me, she loses it. She screams at the top of her lungs and is like, oh my goodness, this is it, I'm dead. Either Samuel, either, either the God of Samuel, the God of Israel is going to kill me, or the king is going to kill me, but this is it. I'm dead. And, and, and Saul continues to press her. He says, he says, woman, I don't care about you. Tell me about this man. What does he look like? What's he saying? He doesn't care about this woman. All he wants is answers to his questions. Do you hear that in the text? She says, uh, 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 I see somebody. He says, okay, okay, what's he look like? What, what's he wearing? Tell me about this man. Okay, well, ask him this, ask him this, ask him about this, ask him about that. What's going to happen to me? What should I do? Listen to the text. Look at verse 15. Then Samuel said to Saul, why have you disturbed me and are bringing me up? And Saul answered. Samuel says, okay, you got one shot. What do you want? Listen to Saul's request in verse 15. I am greatly distressed for the Philistines are waging war against me and God has departed from me and he doesn't answer me anymore through prophets or by dreams. Therefore, I have called you that you may make known to me what I should do. You say, okay, let me unpack this for you. He says, God is no longer speaking to me. So I need you to tell me what to do. Saul is not seeking the face of God. He's seeking the favor of God. He doesn't care that God is no longer speaking to him. He just wants direction. He wants insight. He needs somebody to tell him what to do. He needs holy insight. He needs holy direction. He needs the favor. He needs what God can give him, not God. For those of you who are parents, you know of what I'm about to share with you. We've been, every year we try and take our kids on vacation. And we absolutely love family vacation. For, for whatever reason, during that week, our, our kids... They, they, for the most part, get along with one another, pretend like they like each other. Uh, they, there is this, there's this, this wonderful experience that we have whenever we're on vacation. But one of the things that they do is they think everywhere we stop, we have to get a souvenir. Even if it's at the gas station, we have to get a souvenir. You know We're, we're, we're traveling on our way to Florida and we stop at a gas station in Mississippi and, and we've, we've got to get a souvenir. And we go, well, it's bad in Disney World. Because Disney World is, is brilliant. They have, they have methodically and meticulously devised a way to siphon as much money as they possibly can from you. And they've done it with, with a surgical precision. You go on these, you, you, you stand in these lines and, and as you're standing in the lines, there's this, there's this theme and everything and, and you're, you're transported into this magical world and then you go on this ride that is, that is all filled with this theme and as soon as you come out, you exit the ride into what? A gift shop that is filled with the same theme of this magical world that you've just entered and your kids want to buy the hats and the t-shirts and the stuffed animals and 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 it's wonderful and they say daddy I want and mommy I want and can I have this and can I have that and and as a parent you want to get it for them but what our kids don't realize and and if if you're a parent you understand kids always ask for everything they just they they just want it's what they do you know they want, they want what they don't have, they want what somebody else has, they want what they used to have, they want what they don't even know that they want yet, but they want stuff. And, and if, if our kids will realize something, and I'm, I'm, I'm giving my children some insight right now, and so, so you need to pay attention. If you want something from mom and dad, don't ask them for it. If my little girl wants something, the last thing I want to do is give it to her whenever she's asking me for it. But if my little girl will crawl up in my lap and snuggle up to dad, put her arms around me, dad, I love you. Dad, you, you, you know, I just like being with you. My heart melts and I'm like, baby, what do you want? You know, you want to go to the mall, let's go. I'll I'll buy you anything, I'll do anything for you. Because my daughter wants to be with me. And she wants to cultivate that relationship with me. When my son comes to me and he says, Hey, Dad, you know, can we go do something together? I I, want to be with you. I want to spend time, I want to connect with you. At that point, I want to give him everything. Saul wants the favor of God, desires the favor of God, not the face of God. He says, God has, I have been cut off. God has forsaken me. I no longer have access to God. So Samuel, I need you to go to God on my behalf and tell me what to do. He doesn't say, Samuel, what can I do to restore communion with God David is in the same predicament he's in the same place Psalm 13 listen to what David says same predicament same circumstance same situation same emotional place he's been running for his life he has felt the same abandonment, the same forsaken by his own, by his own sin. He's just murdered and slaughtered hundreds and thousands of people. He is suffering the consequences of his sin. Psalm 13, he says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will I take counsel in your in my soul? having sorrow in my heart all day long. How long will my my enemy enemy be exalted over me? Consider me and answer me, O God. Enlighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies enemies say I have overcome him. Lest my adversaries adversaries rejoice when I am shaken. But I have trusted in in your loving kindness. My heart will rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. David's response is not, give me, give me, give me. David's response is, God, I long to be with you. I don't care about anything else. I want to be with you. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13 says this, You will seek the Lord and you will find Him when you seek for Him with all your heart. And when you seek for Him with all your heart, not only will you find God and you will find His face, and when you find His face, you will experience His favor. It's interesting. Oftentimes we long for the grace of God, not the God of grace. I believe most of the times in our lives we want what God can do for us more than we want God. We want to experience the blessings and the favor. We want to bring to God our supplications and treat God like a holy Santa Claus rather than we want to sit at His feet and worship Him. Let me give you some insight, church. When you crawl into the lap of your loving Father and you worship Him and you love Him and you make Him your object of affection, And you allow Him to satisfy your soul. Just like that little girl crawls up into daddy's lap. Not only will you experience the face of God, but you'll experience the favor of God. When you seek the God of grace, you get the grace of God. Saul missed it. Saul longed for what God could do for him. David longed for God. If you look at the behavior, you look at the disobedience, you look at the life of David and Saul, there is a great deal of similarity. But the difference between David and Saul was the heart. 1 Samuel, whenever God called David and set him apart, He did so because man looks at the outward but God looks at the heart. And David, more than he longed for the grace of God, longed for the God of grace. Was he perfect? By no stretch. Was he a man who would make mistake after mistake? Absolutely. But he was a man after God's own heart because he longed for the heart of God. And so this is the Charge I have for you church is that you seek the God of grace not the grace of God when answers don't come when you're desperate when you're hurting seek the face of God not the favor of God It's interesting, Jesus experienced this desperation. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 15 tells us that we do not have a high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus is the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. Listen to verse 15. We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness. For we have a high priest who has been tempted in every way that we are. Jesus is a man acquainted with grief, a man of sorrows, it says in Isaiah chapter 53. And as Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, realizing that the, the, the cross was before him, realizing that he was about to experience the, the abandonment and the forsakenness of his God, he cried out and he said, God, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And when that, when that moment came, when Christ was forsaken by God, when he experienced the desperation, listen to what he says. He says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In his desperation, he runs not to this world. He runs to the Father in your desperation in your hurt in your pain I want to charge you run to the Father jump in his lap wrap your arms around him and let the God of grace bring you comfort and when the God of grace when you seek the God of grace you'll receive the grace of God let's pray God, so many times in our lives, we are are consumed with what God can do for us. This morning, I pray that as a church, we will seek God's face rather than God's favor. Maybe you're out there this morning and you are at a place of desperation. You are where Saul was. You are where David was. You feel abandoned by God. You feel like like you've been praying and your, your prayers have been bouncing off the ceiling. May you not respond seeking the things of this world. May you seek the face of God. May you run to God. Cast your cares upon Him, for He cares for you. Paul said, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, make your request known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. We can bring it to Him. We can bring everything to Him in prayer, because what a friend we have in Jesus. maybe this morning for the very first time you realize that you're in great need of grace may you run to the God of grace that you may receive the grace of God that grace was demonstrated in the person of Jesus if that's you if you need to come we'll invite you maybe this morning you're desperate and you need to come to this altar and seek the face of God Maybe this morning you realize that you've been seeking after answers in the things of this world, and God is calling you to Himself. Whatever it is the Lord is speaking to you this morning, may you have the freedom to be obedient here today. And we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for your grace, your mercy. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. You stand with us as we worship.
1: arise my soul.
0: He said, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness...